Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. But I've been preaching on faith. This uh, this is the conclusion of my four-part series on faith. It's called Faith Made Simple. And I've been giving some hints at this message on the doing part of faith. Because this is the, the part that people really overcomplicate. And um, I, I was studying uh, my dad's notes, so I stole the last point of my message from my dad. <laughs> But it, it's so good, um, and God just kind of spoke to me, so I added, added some to his point. But um, I'll just give you the, the highlight of that point really quick, because it's so good. If I, get, if I get too fired up and don't get to the end, I, I want to at least tell you this right now. But um, he said that the, the action part of faith, you're not acting in your own strength, you're acting in his strength, in the strength of Jesus. So, and uh, I'll talk about this in Luke 5. Um, you know, Peter and his friends were out fishing all night, toiling all night to try to catch fish, and they caught nothing. How many of you ever fished and caught nothing? How many of you have stayed up all night fishing and caught nothing? Maybe a couple people. So this is hard work. They're like in a boat, so they have to, you know, work at the boat. They have to work at casting their nets out, bringing those things in. This is hard work. So probably in the morning, they, they were completely done. They, they had maxed out their effort and seen zero results. That, that's called performance. That's called doing out on your own. That's called the curse, actually. Don't turn faith into a curse where it's all about you and I got to make this thing happen and not my faith. That, that's, not the, that's not acting part of faith. Acting in your own strength. You have to act in his strength. So they, they, they toiled all night. So they, they were completely at the end of themselves. When you're at the end of yourself, that's a great place for Jesus to begin. When it's not about your effort, not about your work, not about your performance. And he just spoke the word. He just said, cast your nets again. And and Peter, being this great man of faith, said, well, I've worked, I've toiled, we caught nothing. I don't really want to do this. Nevertheless. So really, like, seeing that first part of his statement, you wouldn't think Peter is a really great man of faith. He's kind of whiny, kind of complaining, kind of talking back to Jesus. Reminds me of my children sometimes. But nevertheless, I'm going to still do what you say, Dad. And he did it. They said, at your word, we'll do it. And they cast it. And they caught so much fish. The, the lightning bolt of this abundance of fish hit. Right? So that's a great, and that, that's the blessing where it's not your effort. You're just, you're just acting upon his word. And you receive the abundance of grace. That, that's the blessing that we have through Jesus. So working, toiling on your own gets you nowhere. But hearing his word and just taking a simple, simple act, of just casting the nets. That's so simple. Like sometimes we think, well, if, if I need to be tap into this, I, I got to do this all night long. I got to, you know. But it's, it's so simple. So that, that's just a great, well, well, I'll talk more about that here at the end of the message. But um, so I've been sharing on faith made simple. Faith is not complicated. It's, a, it's just as simple as taking a step toward Jesus. As simple as saying, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to cast this net. Well, I, I, it's, it's not me at this point. I'm just doing what you said to do, Jesus. He probably said it just like that with like this whiny, not, not a really faith preacher kind of tone of voice, you know. You nevertheless at your word. No, he, he was like, <laughs> nevertheless, at your word, I'll throw you a bone. It, it's, it's really powerful. God, God, faith is, God wants to meet you where you're at. He wants to meet you where you're at. So faith, it's, it's, a, it's a simple thing. Uh, we talked about faith makes a decision the first week. Faith is a decisive thing. Faith is decisive. That ties in, into what we're talking about tonight on, on just acting upon your faith. But faith is decisive. Secondly, faith, uh, you, it's, it's a believing thing. It's a, it's a constant believing. It's not just a once in a while, believe, but it's a constant believing, constant thinking about, constant meditating so much that it's like, like a lion roaring over its prey. Winston um, just found, found some bunnies in our yard, and he, he, he's been roaring over his prey. He actually brought in half of a rabbit last night, laid it in the middle of our rug, the sacrifice was made. 
and the blood of the sacrifices upon our carpet. But he just roared over that play. I saw him catch it, and he was growling at, at our other dog, Willie, like, you don't come near. This is mine. He, that, that's that word meditating in the Hebrew. Hagad also means to roar, like a lion roars over its prey. So he was meditating over that rabbit. <laughs> that's how we have to be with the word of God. That's what, meditating, it's a fierce thing. Amen? We talked about the speaking part of faith. You know, faith, faith needs to be tangible. If you want God's power, if you want his grace to be tangible, your faith needs to be tangible. I want to talk about the woman with the issue of blood. When she touched Jesus, that faith touch was tangible to Jesus. Your faith can be felt. It can be seen. It can also be heard. You can speak your faith. That's how you make your faith tangible, by, by, by acting upon acting, you can make your faith visible. You can speak your faith, it can be heard. And, and when you're speaking the promises of God, when you're speaking life, speaking what you're believing, say it out loud. And I, I told this um, story um, about, about uh, a good friend of mine, he's been my best friend since high school, but his older sister, she's just a... Uh, a couple years older than us, um, and she's a complete brainiac. She got a perfect score on the SAT, went to college, graduated college in two and a half years, and then went, she got a full scholarship to an Ivy League law school, to Penn Law School, because she, she was like the top, in the top 1% of the LSAT, the law school test. Um, right out of law school, she got a, you know, a, a fancy job offer in New York City for one of the top law firms, and they wanted her to, to take the bar in just two weeks. So she had two weeks to digest like 2,000 pages of New York law, and, and I, I was um, over at their house, and, and she was at home just cramming for this test, and when she was studying, she was reading it all out, she was just muttering it, saying it all out loud. And I just asked her, why, why are you saying that out loud? Because when I study, I, I just usually just read and try, but she said, when you say it out loud, you, your brain is digesting it twice as much. You, you're, you're digesting it with your eyes, through your optical nerve, into the optical part of your brain, but you're also digesting with your ears, into, with your auditory nerve, into that part of your brain. So you're actually digesting much more quicker. And she, she of course, passed the bar, and, and uh, I was reading a biography once about Abraham Lincoln. He would get up every morning at 6 a.m. and read from the King James translation, Pastor Lawson's translation. And he'd always read out loud. Everything he read, he read out loud, but he always read the Bible out loud. And uh, there's something powerful about speaking the word of God out loud. You know, when God, when God created light, he didn't just think about light. He didn't just write down or draw a picture of light. He spoke. He spoke. He spoke. Let there be light. So if God has to speak some things into existence, I think we may have to speak some things into existence as well. So um, we talked about deciding, believing, and meditating, speaking. Tonight we're going to talk about doing. Let's go to Mark 5, uh, verse 25. I want to talk about the woman with the issue of blood. And again, people like to overcomplicate the doing part of faith, the acting upon faith, but um, I love this story because it, it just is such a simple, simple example of faith. So Mark, 20, Mark 5, starting in verse 25. And here we really see kind of the steps of faith as well. So it says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, say when she heard. Faith comes by hearing. Faith every, Every time faith grows, it's because the, the word was first heard, the word was first planted. Every salvation, every healing, every miracle, every person who gets, they, they first hear the word. They have to hear it. She heard about Jesus. It says she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, say, for she said. For she said. So whoever wrote, you know, Mark, when he wrote, he, he apparently knew 
people knew that she said this. That's why it says she, she said, like it is known that she went about saying this. Or she, when she tells her tale, she said, I, I said, I told people, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She said it. So she heard it. She said it. We talked about that a lot last week, that the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So the righteousness of faith speaks. The word is in your mouth. It's in your heart. The word of faith which we preach, it has to be spoken. She said, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Verse 29 says, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. So we know that she, she said and she did it. She, she heard about Jesus. She knew he was walking through Capernaum at that time and she just pressed through the crowd and did it. Just do it. It's that simple. She heard it, she said it, and she did it. She didn't overcomplicate it. I just, I just love this. You know, it's, it's, to me, this is a very special healing story. I, this is just one of my points, so I can't spend you know, the next five weeks on this story, which I want to do. But I want to try to give you some great nuggets from this. This is a very unique healing story because Jesus' consciousness was completely irrelevant to this healing. Jesus being aware of this woman, being Jesus was God, but he was also a man. So his consciousness as a man didn't know who touched him. His will, she didn't have to ask permission. I use this as an example of commanding faith as well. I talked about Joshua commanding the son to be still because he knew that God said that there is not going to be one of these enemies alive at the end of the day. But he saw that the, the day that they were winning, you know, God was raining down giant hailstones on them, but they were still some of the enemy alive. So he knew that God's word was so powerful, it was so true that he just commanded the sun to stand still. And it did until he received everything from God's promise. So commanding faith, it has to know two things. And religious people don't like commanding faith. They don't, they don't like statements that end with a strong period. Religious people like to end everything with a question mark. Doubts end with a question mark. Faith ends with a strong period. So faith has to know two things. It has to know that he is able but secondly, that he is willing. This woman knew that Jesus was willing. That's why she didn't even bother asking permission. She had such a commanding faith that, that she was going to shoot first, ask questions later. She was going to get, she was so charged up. All she had to do was make contact. Contact with the hem of his garment. And that, that dunamis power, that lightning bolt power just shot through her body and immediately she was healed. And I, I just love that she touched, she just said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. You know, I, I've been to Israel. I've seen Jewish people wear, you know, a lot of them wear, wear their garments out. Some people tuck them in. When they tuck in their shirt, there's these tassels on the, the, the corners of the, on the hem of their garment, and those tassels represent the promises of God. And there's a, there's a prophecy in Malachi 4, verse 2, it says, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. That, that word for wings is the same word as the tassels, the hem of the garment. He, and she fulfilled that prophecy when she touched the wings of his garment. She had that command. She knew that he was able. She heard that he was able. She knew that he was able. She said he is able. But she knew that he was willing. And I know because she didn't come up and, and just said, Jesus, what's your will? Will you do this for me? She didn't even ask permission. 
Jesus, and I, I just find it really, fa- that Jesus, the, the only begotten son of God, what, didn't even know. He asked, who, who did this? How cool would it be to, to just like, just be so charged up here at church that just lightning bolts of power are hitting people and God's like, where is this coming from? And then we just say, it's us. It's Karis Christian Center. It's, it's a Wednesday night. It is us. We, we know that you are able. We know that you're willing. We're not, we're not even going to wait till the end of service. We're going to just charge ourselves up right now. If you, if you want to start doing something, you can. If you want to start speaking something, you can. I don't, I don't really care. You can interrupt my service to, to start doing some faith things if you want. I, you know. It's so simple. I, I like her. I like I like this action because it, it, it didn't say she, you know, she flushed all of her medicine down the toilet. She she chewed out every doctor that she'd ever seen. She vowed never to see. No, she just her action was just taking a step closer to Jesus, touching the hem of his garment. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. Overcomplicate it. So she heard it, she said it, she did it. Nothing was going to stop her, no crowd was going to stop her, no, no religious rule was going to stop her. And she, she received it. She heard it, she said it, she did it, and she received it. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body, I love it, she felt in her tangible she felt it's okay to want the tangible power of God in your life. It's okay to want signs, miracles, and wonders. It's okay to want to see God move, to want to feel God move, to want to hear his voice in your life. It's okay to desire to feel him in, in a powerful way. She felt she felt the grace of God. But I love that she wasn't the only one feeling something. She wasn't the only one experiencing this tangible thing. Jesus felt something tangible. Who touched me? Faith, faith needs to be tangible. Faith cannot just be an idea. It cannot just be a thought. It cannot just be a philosophy. Faith has to be tangible. The just shall live by faith. Not just sign off on a creed, not just confess it, but they shall live by it. Your faith needs to be heard, it needs to be felt, it needs to be seen. That's why James preached, show me your faith. He, want, he wants some tangible faith. We're going to talk about that in the next point here. So faith is so simple, just do it. She felt the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And I love, she didn't just run off. The disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say who touched it. There's something different about the faith touch. There's something different about a song that is sing when there is faith charged up in that song. He looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her. Faith, you know, it shoots first, asks questions later. Faith, it's better to ask for forgiveness and for permission that's what my entrepreneurship professor taught me. Just go for it. Just do it. Just go out and make money. Figure it out. Pick up the pieces later. The same, the same thing is true for, for, for faith people. Just go out and do it. Just go out, lay your hands on the sick, and pray for them. Just do it. Pick up the pieces later. You know, just, just when you meet, just say, hey, I'm a Christian. I, I love to pray for people. Can I pray for you? The, almost everyone will say, sure, pray for me. What can I pray for you about? And, and, and pray, start with what they want prayer for. 
And then, and then if, if you start flowing after that, that's, that's great. But, but just, it's so simple. Just do it. Lay, lay your hands on them. Pray for them. See what God does. He's going to do something. Just do it. Who t- the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has, been, has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. So she heard it. She said it. She did it. She received it. But then she, she also told it. She said what happened. She said, Jesus, I, I've been dealing with this for 12 years. I knew if I waited to, to, to go hear you preach, you know, in Jairus's synagogue on the Sabbath, you know, there, there's these people who wouldn't let me because they know I, I'm sick and I have this flow of blood. It's not legal for me to even enter the temple. I know I shouldn't have been in this crowd, but, but I just did it. She told it. Faith hears it, says it, does it, receives it, but then tells it. You need to tell your testimony. I was talking to a man at our church. He, he, he travels around, around in ministers. You know, he goes to Mexico a lot in ministers. Uh, Mario Venzer. And he, he, he loves to hike. He hikes, I think he's hiked most of the 14ers here in Colorado. But every time he goes on a hike, he gets like 18 people saved. And I just asked him, how, how do you do it? And he, he said, it's just very, it's very simple. I'm going to have him just share about how he does it. He said, you need to be naturally supernatural. Like, don't just go up and try to weird people out. Just <laughs> talk to him about the weather, you know. But then he said, just, just share. He says, I share my testimony. And then I ask him, can I pray for you? And then he'll just lead him to Christ. Say, so look at these beautiful mountains. You know, someone made these. They're not just here by accident. You're not here by accident. He just said, you need to be naturally supernatural. He gets people healed, filled with the Holy Ghost. She, she told it, you know, and when she told it, this, this, this makes a faith cycle. When she told it, then someone else can hear it. Someone else can go to point number one. When she told it, Someone else right there in that crowd probably went to point number one. I know someone did. Because there was a ruler of a synagogue named Jairus who knew that Jesus was a healer. And his daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, who was born at the same time that this woman, that her affliction began, his 12-year-old daughter was sick. Jesus, come to my house, pray for her. Right, Right after this woman was healed, people came from his house and said, they said, she's dead. But Jesus said, don't be afraid, only believe. So he, he heard it. He, it's so important that she, that she said what happened because that could start this faith cycle for Jairus. Jairus heard it. I believe that as he was walking on that way, he was doing, he, I'm not going to be afraid, I'm going to believe, I'm going to trust you. He was meditating on it. He was... This is going to happen. He was roaring over the promise of Jesus. And he got Jesus to the house. He did it. He received it. And he probably talked about it that very Saturday at his synagogue. And I know he did because Jesus stayed in Capernaum for several years protected. He, he had favor with, with the religious leaders, with Jairus. He had favor with the centurion there in Capernaum. And he had favor with the tax collectors there, Matthew. He had favor with, with all these people who had power. And that's why he could live there for three years and do his ministry until he went to Jeru- Jerusalem. So number one, just do it. It's that simple. Number two, God always sees faith. Charge yourself up. Build yourself up. God always sees, he always sees faith. In the realm of the spirit, God is blind to everything but faith. Hallelujah. When I was going to grad school, I, I had a good friend who was my age, we we're about 24, 23 at the time. He was a bassoon player. What's the bassoon? It's like two giant sticks with a little thing and... Sounds like a big fart. 
Bassoon, bassoon, um, bassoon is an interesting, it's, it's probably one of the most expensive, to, to get a nice bassoon, you have to buy a, a German handmade bassoon. There's one brand that every professional bassoonist plays, it's called Heckel, and they're all like $50,000. It's a very expensive fart machine. <laughs> But my friend, when he was just 23, decided he'd apply for the the most prestigious position, bassoon position, in the United States, the highest paid orchestra in the country. It's the Met Opera Orchestra in New York City. So he applied for the Met Opera principal bassoon position. They they received probably four or 500 applications because there aren't a lot of bassoon jobs out there. From those, you know, four or 500 applicants, they probably invited 200 to audition. They probably spent three days just hearing the first 200 play about three minutes at a time. From 200, they then whittle it down to about 50, then they whittle it down to 10, then they whittle it down to three, and then they finally whittle it down to one. But this orchestra, it's, it's the only orchestra in the U.S. Actually, a lot of European orchestras do this where it's, com- it's completely blind. But there is just a screen up on the stage and the, the judge, the conductor, the musicians that are gonna select the winner, they, they're just out there in the crowd and it's a completely blind, they, they cannot see, just as, as that person comes up to the stage, there, there's usually a carpet rolled out on the wood stage because they don't even wanna hear your shoes, they don't wanna hear if you're wearing heels or they don't, they don't want to know if you're a man or a woman. If They don't want to know anything about you. The only thing that they want to know is, is how do you sound? The only thing that cuts through that veil, the only thing that matters is the sound. In the realm of the spirit, the only thing that matters is faith. The only thing that cuts through the veil and goes straight into the holy of holies is faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter if, if you are 23 or 50. It doesn't matter if you're old or you're young, if you're white or black, man or woman, rich or poor. It does not matter. The only thing that matters is faith because God always sees faith. Faith is the only thing that cuts through that curtain. Nothing else matters. It's faith in Jesus. I love, I love what James, I love, James knew, James was a, a word of faith preacher. He understood faith. And he understood that God is no respecter of persons. He is a respecter of faith. That's why when he was preaching his, his sermon on faith, we'll turn to James 2. Go to James 2, starting in verse 14. James was, was a mega Mega past, mega church pastor. He preached the, you know, in the first, he preached at the biggest church in the first century in Jerusalem. Why was it a mega church? Because 3,000 people got saved there the day the church began. He probably had thousands of people that, that heard him preach. 3,000 sounds pretty mega to me. You know, some people say we can't have mega churches, we just gotta have house churches. God, God doesn't care how you do church. We've met in houses, we've met in our house, we've met in our living room, we've met in Lutheran churches for Wednesday night church. We met, we've met in, on TV studios, we've met in warehouses for, for missile building companies. Talk about power. I don't know what's been in this building, but there's, there've probably been some powerful things in this building. You know, Lockheed Martin used to occupy this building. Now the church occupies this building. That's pretty cool. So James, I love when he's preaching about faith. I, I know that he understands that, that God is, is blind to everything but faith because the two examples he uses for faith, Abraham, that's an obvious one, right? Everyone in Jerusalem loves Abraham. 
Everyone in Jerusalem today still loves Abraham. Next, next to the western wall, next to the Temple Mount, Abraham's tomb is the second holiest place in Israel. Hebron. The, 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 the cave where, where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, and Leah are buried. Rachel is buried near Bethlehem because she died while having Benjamin near Bethlehem. Hebron is the second holiest place in all of Israel. It's because they love Abraham. He is the father of faith. Father Abraham. I got, I got to go to that temple there uh, in Hebron. Hebron, um, 90% of Hebron is, is um, controlled by the Palestinian Authority. Like there's a little wedge of Hebron, like a pie-shaped wedge that belongs to Israel. And, and the point of that pie is the temple. The, where, where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are buried. And that temple is split in half. There's a wall down the middle where the Muslims get one half because they love Father Abraham too. And, and um, over history, both sides have, have like bombed each other through this wall. So when I was visiting, there, there are many like IDF, Israeli Defense Force soldiers there um, because it's just been a point of contention because everyone loves Father Abraham so much, and our faith is so... When, when it's a religious type of faith about what you do, that, that stirs up wrath. That's why Paul said, when I was so religious, I was, it was so much about me and what I did, when he was telling his testimony to King Agrippa, it said, I, I was, he said, I was filled with ex- exceeding wrath, exceeding rage. Religion, if you, if you just feel... Rage, it's, it's, you're not in faith. You're not, your faith isn't in Jesus. So I was walking around here, and, and it, like I said, it's the second holiest place in Israel, and um, I can tell this story. I don't know if Heather's heard this story, but I was single at the time. So when I was there, I noticed this one, you know, in Israel, all, all men and women have to serve in, in the military. So this, this very cute Israeli soldier, you know, she had a big M16, which I thought made her extra good looking, you know, walked by, and I kind of I checked her out. But then, then there was a, a son of Abraham there, very orthodox young, young Jewish man, just very... He was wanting his faith to be very much heard. He was praying really loud, very passionately. But I also, I noticed when, when she walked by, he also turned. <laughs> and so there, there are some similarities between the Jew and the Gentile. We all need Jesus. That's the similarity. So James picks Abraham. So, so like the, the, the Jewish Christians in his congregation probably loved, yes, Abraham is a great example of faith. But his second example of faith was Rahab. Rahab. Wait, how could you put him on a pedestal with Abraham? So let's read about this. Because James knew that, that God sees faith. He doesn't see race. He doesn't see gender. He, he just sees faith. James 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? So this is not talking about working on your own, working like Paul was trying to work to keep the law. This is talking about trusting Jesus and just taking a step towards him, touching the hem of his garment. Can faith save him? If a, so he's saying just faith cannot just be a thought. It cannot just be an idea. You, it, it has to be your life. There needs to be evidence to your faith. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. So he's saying you can't just speak it. Right? Faith can't just be spoken. He's saying you can say, be filled. But you need to not... But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it provide? You know, at, at the end of service, Heather's going to take up an offering. And don't just write down on the offering envelope, be blessed. <laughs> be warm and filled. 
Good luck paying your power bill. I'm thinking of you, praying for you. Here's my offering envelope. Depart in peace, be warned and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. There needs to be some action to it. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Faith should be a tangible thing. Does that make sense? Tangible. It can be seen, it can be heard, it can be felt. Faith is a tangible thing. You believe that there is one God, you do all. So he's saying just believing isn't enough. Just speaking isn't enough. You do all, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham, his first, first example, Abraham. Look at Abraham, the father of our faith. Did he just believe it? Did he just say it? Or did he do it? We know that he did it. Was not Abraham our faith justified by works? And he's not talking about his his righteous deeds. Because he clarifies that here within the next few verses. It said that he believed God and it was accounted to him. So it's not his deeds that made him righteous. He clarifies that right after. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? So he's saying that, that his faith was a tangible thing. You, could, you know that he believed it, he spoke it, but you could also see it by his action. Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So why was he, he made righteous? Because he believed God. He believed the promise. And that's why he, he believed it, he spoke it, and he, he acted upon it. There's a tangibility to his faith. And that's, that's how it was accounted to him for righteousness. I think James and Paul probably talked about this because they both loved the example of Abraham. Paul uses the same the same example in Romans 4, verse 3. He said, Abraham believed and it was accounted, it was imputed, it was logizomeo. That's how you are made, that's how you are credited righteousness. It's an accounting term. You know, if you were to ask, you know, just the average person just walking out on a hike, what makes you right, what makes someone a good person? 99.999% of people would say some type of works. This is what you have to do to be a good person. You have to recycle. You have to, you know, give to charity. You have to give to the poor. You have to, you know, vote a certain way. You have to go to certain rallies. You can't, you know, if you vote for this guy, then you're a terrible person. You're a deplorable inject yourself with this don't inject yourself with this take this don't take that's what makes you a good person but Paul said when, when, when you're trying to work righteousness it's actually count as a debit to your account so every, if, you, if you're whatever work it may be maybe it's go to church read your Bible every day say these if that's how you're, you're trying to get righteousness, it's counted as debit. Why? Because you, you, are, you are not using God's way to become righteous, which is through Jesus Christ. Redemption only comes through Jesus. Salvation only comes through Jesus. Any, any plan, any movement, any any political part, anything that tries to bring about redemption, that tries to bring about justice apart from Jesus, it's going to fail. Because Jesus is the Redeemer. And only He can, can, can make us right before God. Only He can bring true peace. Only He can bring true healing. 
Only he can bring true salvation. Only he can bring us to heaven. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. I love that. He was the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So, so he's saying Abraham is my first example of faith and corresponding action. But, and I bet when he preached this for the first time in Jerusalem to those 3,000 people or so, You know, Jerusalem probably had primarily Jewish believers in his church at the time. When he talked about Rahab, the harlot, being my next example of faith and righteousness, they pro- they're probably a little concerned. Wait, because she wasn't even Jewish. She didn't keep the law. She probably ate bacon. <laughs> Eating bacon is right up there with prostitution. Wait, you think I'm going to go to heaven with Rahab? This bacon eater? Was not Rahab the harlot, the bacon eater, also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We know that, that Rahab, her faith was tangible. She didn't just think it, she didn't just believe it, she didn't just speak it, but she did something. She protected the, 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 the Israeli spies and she sent them out. She protected them. She, there was action that could be seen. And that's why her, her and her house was saved. Spirit, soul, and body. And when she hung that, that scarlet thread out, her window. She was saying that there, there is a redeemer. And he's going to come from these people. I'm looking to this promise for redemption. I'm not looking to anyone in this city. I'm not looking to these walls around me. Jericho had the most famous walls of any city in all of history. I don't trust in these walls. I trust in your redeemer. I trust in your promise. And that scarlet thread that she threw out, it, she was looking to Jesus. It's just faith in Jesus. That is the only thing that matters. And I, I love this last point. When you act on faith, it's not in your strength. It's in his strength. You know, Heather pointed something out to me last night that I I hold a double standard in how I discipline my two children. We have an eight-year-old son who, you know, is disciplined one way, and we have a -a one-and-a-half-year-old girl who is, we're still figuring out how to discipline her. Girls are a little more complicated. (laughs) Well, I understand girls a little bit because I'm married to Heather. So Ada was throwing a fit last night. And she's like just running around crying, screaming, you know, opening all the, the cabinet doors, bringing pan, throwing pans out. Throwing pans around, upset. I've seen this behavior from someone else in the family. <laughs> Only on a few occasions. So, so what I did, I just went to the freezer and got an ice cream cone. Said, here, Ada, here's a cone. Sat her in her chair, and she was the happiest baby in the world. <laughs> Just give her what her want. You know, she doesn't just give her what, her, what she wants. That's, that's, what I, I, that's my f- philosophy. That just give her what she wants. Husbands, just give your wives what they want. Whatever they want, just give it to them. <laughs> Heather's the same. I just give Heather what she wants, and she's glowing. Heather took a picture of her just glowing with ice cream all over her. Fisher, Fisher also threw a tantrum last night. So Fisher, I said, drop down 10 push-ups right now. And when he was doing the push-ups, it was kind of like this. It was kind of like, like a, like a worm. 
don't think he was even using any arm muscle at all. <laughs> so I came behind him and I tried to teach him how to do a real push-up. So I grabbed, I grabbed him by the hips and I was kind of pulling him up. And he kind of could do a push-up. He could kind of touch his chest and not do this worm dance thing. <laughs> so he could, he could fulfill his action by, by the strength of his father helping him. With my strength, he could do the, on his own, he cannot do a push-up. On your own, you're gonna just be a worm. <laughs> you're gonna look like a worm, you're gonna, it's not gonna look pretty. When you're stepping out, of faith, out, out in faith, doing what God has called you to do, and you're trying to do it on your own strength, you're just a worm. So you need to do it in his strength. And, and, and Luke 5 is a great picture of that. Luke 5, I'll just kind of talk about I won't read the whole thing. But we know that, that Simon Peter is there, a great fisherman, a, a hard-nosed guy. He, he knew how to work. You know, if something is wrong, I'm going to fix it. If something's wrong, I'm going to grab a sword and cut this guy's ear off. I'm... He's a take-care-of-business kind of guy. Which I respect. But Jesus said, hey, they're coming, and he said, go, go back one more time and just throw your nets down one more time. Master, we've toiled, again, with this great faith-preaching voice. Master. We have toiled all night. Nevertheless, said you. No, I think he was very whiny, very complaining, very tired. Been throwing this net out, working with this boat all night long. He was probably at the complete and utter end of himself. But that's a great place to trust Jesus and say, I'm done with myself. I'm done with my effort. I'm done trying to do these push-ups on my own. I can't do it. The end of yourself is a great place for Jesus to begin, a great place for grace to begin. Nevertheless, at, your, at his word, at, you cannot act apart from his word. At your word, I will let down the net. I'm acting upon your word. I'm doing it because you said it and I trust you. And this is just a beautiful picture of faith and grace. You know, apart from Jesus, when they were doing it on their own, they worked to the max as much as they could, and the result was nothing. That's a picture of, of, of law-keeping, of trying to, to do it on your own. That's a picture of the curse. That's one aspect of the curse that was placed upon Adam. You're going to work, you're going to toil, and you're going to get thorns. You're going to get empty nets. But with Jesus, this is a picture of his grace. They barely worked. I wouldn't even call it work. If I paid a guy to go fishing for me and he just did that, I wouldn't really call that working. I call what he did the night before working. I wouldn't call that working, just casting the net one time. But because he just simply, act, a simple act of faith, through the net, they caught so many fish that their nets were breaking. They had to get another boat over. Both, both boats were about ready to sink. They're, they're, that is a picture of grace. Grace is always abundant. Caught tons of fish. And then Jesus said, you're no longer just going to be a fisherman. I'm, gonna, I'm calling you into my kingdom. You're going to be a fisher of men now. And it said they forsook everything. and they, they forsook that kingdom and they went to his kingdom. They became sons of the king of kings. And when you're a son of Jesus, when you're a daughter of Jesus, when you are in his kingdom, he wants you to reign. He wants you to have an abundance of grace. The moment Peter stepped into that sonship, he understood that with Jesus there is an abundance of grace. That's why Paul writes in Romans 5.17, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. You cannot earn righteousness. 
will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. God wants you to reign in life. And to do it, you need two things. You need the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness only comes one way, one simple way, and that is by putting your simple faith in Jesus. Faith is not complicated. It is simple. It is taking a step closer and closer to Jesus. So make a decision to follow him. Make a decision to follow Jesus. If you have never decided to follow Jesus, you need to do that. That is the first step. You decide to follow him. Keep believing, keep meditating on his word. Keep speaking life, keep speaking the blessing, keep speaking the promises. Just do it. In the action side of faith, it is not complicated. Don't overcome, don't make this a you working kind of thing. It's gonna look really ugly. You're going to look really foolish. There are going to be some dumb results to you doing that. It's it's as simple as just reaching out, taking one step, touching his hem, casting your net, just take a step closer to Jesus. And whatever you're believing God for tonight, this this is what you can do with what what, what you are believing God for tonight. You know, I'm believing, I, I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep, med- I'm going to hold on to this thing like, like a, a lion over its prey, like Aaron's, Pastor Aaron's Scottish terrier over that bunny just growling it. I'm going to keep speaking it and I'm going to, and just ask God, how can I take a simple step closer to you? Don't overcomplicate it. You don't have to go throw all of your medication away. Maybe you may say, hey, God, maybe I'll just take a slightly less dose and just trust you. Just a, a step closer and a step closer. And a, maybe, maybe you couldn't, couldn't walk to the end of the street, but hey, tomorrow I'm going to get up first thing and I'm going to walk to the end of the street. Don't sign up for a marathon. Just, just a step in that direction. Don't overcome, don't, don't turn it into, I'm going to start doing the worm dance here. Okay, if you haven't, if you haven't, you know, walked in 10 years, don't, don't try to run a marathon tomorrow. Maybe, maybe try to walk down the street first. And then, and then walk to, you know, walk around the block next. And then go to the track and run a loop around the track. And then, I wouldn't even run a marathon tomorrow. I look like a worm trying to run a marathon tomorrow. Just take a step closer to Jesus. Amen. How can I take a step closer to you, Jesus? It's that, and it's so, it's so simple. I, I have testimony after te- uh, of people who just struggle with major anxiety, major, major issues. It's, it's so simple. I'm going to eat Teddy Grahams for the first time. Amen? Just take a step, and then I'm going to eat a Chipotle burrito, then I'm going to eat pizza, then I'm going to eat... What happened to this gluten thing? It's gone. Let's start with the Teddy Graham. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.